You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we talk to Stephen Redfern, and he shares just a little bit of his running journey over the last nine years. Stephen was an avid hiker, an avid bushwalker, just loved getting outdoors. And then he started running, and he very quickly developed a little bit of an ultra running habit. And now that's what he does. He loves running ultras. In fact, he said, it's made him content and happy. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am excited to introduce you all to a new friend, Stephen Redfern. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Hi, Michelle. Uh, very good. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Again, you're one of my referrals from someone who was referred from someone else who was referred to someone else. So it's a great chain that I've <laughs> got going on the podcast, meeting lots of runners and, and learning their story. It's been so much fun for me. I think people are enjoying it as well. So thanks for being part of the chain. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, it's amazing how much of a wonderful community base we do have in That's the running true. community. Yeah. Um, and how much yeah, those referrals can come from far and wide. Um, so it's, uh, and it's lovely. It's lovely. I have, I have a great array of running friends from all around the country and, um, and overseas as well, which is, which is so lovely to have. That, that having something in common, isn't it? It's just, um, it doesn't matter what we all do as a career or where our lives have gone we all have this running as, you know, in common and we're able to talk about that and then expand often into other parts of our lives in our conversations and things, which I think is quite fascinating. Oh, definitely. It's, it's amazing how much it can bring us all together. As, as you mentioned, we, we all come from such diverse uh, lives um, and different backgrounds, but as soon as we all come together running, um, we're just like all one, one big happy family. Exactly. And, um, and everyone's the same and we just all enjoy, enjoy each other's company. Yeah, I love that. All right, let's get back to the start. <laughs> Where did you grow up, Stephen? Tell us about your childhood. Uh, so my childhood, um, I've I've been all around the place. Uh, so I was born and grown up for the first couple of years in Perth before moving to Queensland for a number of years. I think we're about there for about six or seven years. Um, I have um, my mum's Dutch and my my dad's English. So my family decided to move over to England for two years when I was uh, eight years old. Oh, wow. So had the opportunity to live over there for two years, mm-hmm. um, went to school there and um, yeah, really enjoyed my time over in England. And then before coming back home to Australia, we decided as a family to sell everything up by a uh, camper van and we travelled around Europe and North Africa for 12 months, um, oh. which was yeah, so that was, that was uh, an amazing experience. I was only 10 at the time, yep. but amazingly just how much I can still remember <laughs> all of that uh, experience that I had even back as a, as a child. Well, yeah, and, that, your parents are very great, brave. Sorry to interrupt. My, that's okay. Um, our younger three children, we took them away for three, for 
um, 18 months, but the youngest one was 10 and we took them off for okay. eight. Yeah. And we went around the world. I spent a lot of time in Asia and Europe. Um, oh, beautiful. We weren't camper vanning though. We did do a lot of house sitting in England and in different parts of Europe, which probably felt a bit like camp, like <laughs> camping. For oh, them. definitely. But um, yeah, that's amazing. I, it's fascinating to hear. Your parents must have been very brave in many ways because you know, I only did that eight years ago. So you're talking about a little bit longer than that ago. Because yeah, 1980, <laughs> we, we did it. So, um, wow. yeah, a number of years ago. Back yeah. then, it was predominantly, there wasn't really, I don't think it was a big scene with the house sitting. Definitely no Airbnb yeah, when it was no. back then. So the camper van was quite uh, the way to do it. We actually brought an old combi. It was an old combi camper van. Uh, so my dad was able to work on it. And uh, it was set up um, for the four of us, uh, the two bunks up the top with the pop-up roof and, um, and then that. the parents' bed down the bottom. So, but uh, amazing experience. Um, yeah, so it was, and we always loved camping uh, as we grew up, even in Australia before moving to England. Uh, that was sort of like our family yeah. holidays. So mm-hmm. I think this was just an expansion on what they enjoyed doing. Um, and See. just, yeah, it was somewhere different and it basically just yeah we just took it as it come for twelve months which was which was uh, amazing. And you you drove through Europe, and then to Af- you drove to Africa as well. Like from we did. Europe, is that how that? So basically, wow. from England after exploring England, Wales, and Scotland, we went down through France, Spain, mm-hmm. crossed the Strait of Gibraltar, then went into Morocco. Um, we're lucky enough to get into Algeria, which at the time in in the eighties, early eighties, was actually a closed country. And I believe we're only like one of about five tourists in the country at the time. Um, but it meant that we were able to go through Algeria into Tunisia to keep the the sort of the loop going without mm. having to backtrack. Mm. And out of Tunisia, we went across to Sicily, Italy, the old Yugoslavia, when it was all one country, um, back up through Austria, which we met some friends and stayed there for about a month. Uh, Germany, um, Holland, which is where my mum was born and saw all her family, uh, Belgium, and then back to England before coming back home. Wow. That's just amazing. I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. (laughs) We'll just talk about that. That's what we're (laughs) Definitely great. No school for a year, but I think the experience that we had with exploring the world Mm -hmm. um, expanded our minds way more than trying to do we did a little bit of sort of homeschooling a bit of reading keeping yeah. a diary um yeah, it did didn't always didn't always continue um yeah. as we we're always so busy doing something um on our holidays but yeah i think we came home with a being a lot more expanded in our minds and um our experiences than if we yeah. hadn't have done that and just stayed at school anyway so it never it didn't seem to put me backwards anywhere my, so um... it was really good one of the, my 10 year old who at the time, who's now 19 said to me recently, because he's decided he's not going to university, he's becoming an entrepreneur, which he says is his parents' fault for teaching him that. But he was at one point, he wanted to have a gap year. And I said, well, you can't really have a gap year because you had a gap year when you were between 10 and 11. <laughs> What's your gap year? Goes, oh, oh no, no, I'm allowed. I can have as many gap years as I like now. It's like, so, kind of created a little monster. <laughs> yeah. So, when we came home from England, um, so our pet, my parents decided to move to the Blue Mountains, which mm-hmm. is then where I grew up for my teenage years. So, and that's sort of where my life became. So, uh, all the way through to the end of high school, um, I lived in the Blue Mountains, grew up in the Blue Mountains. 
awesome. discovered bushwalking up mm-hmm. there. That's that was where my love of the bush and the um and getting out and doing all of that started. Mm-hmm. Um, after I left school, I got a job at Qantas as a uh, aircraft uh, uh, maintenance engineer and wow. did my apprenticeship with them and still with them today. So uh, yesterday was my, um, I just clocked over 33 years with wow. Qantas. So that brought me to Sydney, um, which I still continued for a lot of years with my bushwalking. Um, mm. And then just as time transitioned on, uh, my bushwalking used you started getting a bit quicker. Um, I used to like a bit of fast, fast packing uh, yeah. as opposed to multi-day walking, which I had a lot of years doing. Yeah. I started to enjoy what I could do in a shorter period of time. So mm-hmm. some of the walks that I might have taken two, three or four days, I would then redo them and try and do them within a day yeah. uh, as just fast walking, which I really enjoy. Lighter and lighter. Lighter and lighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, the challenge of being able to see if I could reach the end of that walk uh, within that time frame. Still did some long uh, multi-day walks. Uh, I've done the Larapinta Trail mm. uh, years ago, over 15 days. Yep. Uh, my son and I walked up to Everest Base Camp as well. Oh, wow. Um, done a number of the um, the great walks in New Zealand uh, yep. over my time. And then just, even though I'd never done before, I always wanted to run, mm. Um but just something I'd never really sort of invested into, didn't, never felt like I was in a position to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And I just woke up one day, I was 42, and just decided um, now was a really good time to maybe transition my, my walking and just move into running. And that's sort of where my, my running was born. That's so not, not too long ago, um, only approximately um, just over eight years ago now, um, I uh, decided to pick up running. But, yeah, I felt it was always a transition from growing up as a bushwalker and yep. just enjoying being out there mm. and then just using that and transitioning that into now the running side of it. So normally I would spend a bit more time on, well, I probably would. Well, let me go back a little bit. At school, can you remember what running felt like for you at school? It sounded like your school wasn't sort of a consistent primary school, high school, you know, sort of flow. It had these sort of moving around a bit. But can you remember when you did have those opportunities to, uh, you know, participate in the school running and things that we all had to do certain distances and things, what that felt like? Do you remember thinking I enjoy this sort of running thing or was it just something else that you did and it was fine and whatever kind of? As, as During school, running probably wasn't something that was too much in the front of my mind. I think it was, yeah, it ended up being... It was just part of the curriculum. We had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of more team sport. Um, okay. I really enjoyed swimming when I grew mm-hmm. up. Grew up. Um, so in the Blue Mountains, I joined the Katuma Swimming Club. That was my Saturday swimming. Mm-hmm. Also gave uh, other sports uh, a go, um, soccer uh, or hockey. Um, so I, I gave a few team sports a go over my time. Mm-hmm. But generally, a lot of stuff I ended up doing was more individual. So mm-hmm. um it was 12 when I started bushwalking and that was sort of with my dad, yeah. um, a couple of friends. And that sort of, I just grew with that. And I think I really enjoyed the fact that that was more of an individual mm-hmm. sport to do. Uh, I could do it at my own pace. I could actually explore where I wanted to explore. And I also picked up rock climbing too while I lived in the Blue Mountains. So that was, again, I always felt that as 
more being individual um, and I think that's just something I really enjoyed yeah. uh, it just yeah. sort of seemed to flow quite well with the bushwalking and the rock climbing mm-hmm. even though when I moved to Sydney uh, my rock climbing did die off I still love the sport watch it a lot um, yeah. but just never really followed through with that mm-hmm. and just kept my bushwalking going um, during sort of my adult years so yeah and that's that's sort of really what running was in the early days wasn't wasn't really front of mind yeah but I think just the more I got older, the more I sort of really wanted to give it a go. Um, just never knew when the right time was or really how to approach it properly. So that's why it took me so long to really just start up with my running. So how did you approach it in the end? Like you're saying that this transition was from your bushwalking into running. How did you do that? Like what was going through your mind when you thought, okay, yeah, the day that you didn't put your your bushwalking shoes on, instead you put on a pair of running shoes and head out the door. What was the decision process? Like? It, it was quite funny. So my first few months of running actually was in my bushwalking shoes. There you go. <laughs> which um, which my wife quickly turned around and said, "You're not going to go far wearing these." Um, and forced <laughs> me to actually go by myself my first proper pair of uh, my running shoes. Yeah, uh, which I think made a big difference to my approach and commitment to doing it. Mm-hmm. but I think I just I just basically woke up. I'd been thinking about it for a while. Um, I never felt I um, was able to have the commitment to actually run. I felt there was a lot more commitment to running than there was to bushwalking. Bushwalking was very natural to me, um, yeah. whereas I felt running is you're going out the door, you had to be very committed to what you wanted to do with regards to Pushing that a little bit further, you're going to find a little bit harder. Bushwalking, you could always just do it at a nice, sensible pace. It was um, you had all day to go to a certain distance. This was more about picking a distance, but knowing that you wanted to run from here to here, and it was going to take a bit of work to do it, and and training and building up. And I just felt until I actually did start it, I wasn't really going to be in that committed mood to want to do it, and I like to be committed when I do something. So. Wow. I just woke up, of probably February um, 2014, mm-hmm. and it was almost like I just woke up and I just said, I'm ready today. Threw on the shoes, went out. I knew my start was not going to be comfortable. Like I'd, I'd heard and people have said, you'll go out running for the first time, and most people don't like it. They yeah. go, this is just hard. How, how can this be enjoyable? And I think going out, knowing that, in myself and in my brain um, that I wasn't going to go out thinking this was just going to be all bit of roses and fun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just exciting. As long as I could understand that you had to work at it, then eventually it would get better. And I remember coming home, I think it was 5Ks I did on a trail, fairly flat, came home and thought, boy, that was hard. <laughs> it's uh, this is How do people find this enjoyable? But just stuck with it. Um, it wasn't long before that 5Ks felt uh, comfortable and easy. Mm-hmm. Then you started throwing in a few sort of hills, which probably weren't much of the way of hills when I first started, but then they felt <laughs> like, like they, <laughs> they felt like they were. And it was it was amazing just without even thinking about it, just how they all just transient, transitioned into being more comfortable and more easy. And then you just tended to find yourself mm. going that little bit further afield, a little bit longer, 
uh, trying something a little bit more hillier, um, pushing a little bit harder on the hills. Um, and it was just slowly. And eventually just the distance grew and it's like this became enjoyable. So, and then just went from there. Did you have like a, a goal? Like it's a, often people start running. It's one of those, especially at this time of year, people committed to doing that for their New Year's resolution. And um, by now in February, they uh, have given up <laughs> yeah. because they didn't have something like a goal to work towards or a coach or whatever. The, everybody's different for what keeps them going. Most definitely. Um, so I did start. Uh, my wife actually turned around and said, I'm going to need a goal. It's otherwise exactly what you just mentioned. She said, you won't you won't keep this commitment going unless you find that that you've got a goal to go for. And I'm, I'm very goal orientated. So mm-hmm. if I know that there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel or I'm actually striving for something, um, I'll definitely put my commitment in. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for the Sydney Half Marathon in the May of that year. So that basically gave me three months to build up to a half marathon. And I had no expectations of speed or distance. It was yeah. just more go out there, do a road marathon or road half marathon and just complete it. Um, yeah. I didn't know what was a good time at the back then or what was a bad time mm-hmm. and completed that and actually enjoyed it. Um, I think it took me about an hour and 45 minutes to do a half marathon. I was really excited with that. It's quite good, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was, I, was quite, um, I was quite chuffed at my, my results. So awesome. we quickly signed up. I quickly signed up to do the Sydney full marathon in September. Of course you did. So, yeah. So I thought, okay, next transition, we'll move from that mm. to the Sydney um, full marathon. Uh, trained for that one. Um, my training was very sort of, I don't know, just, it just felt, I just did what felt right at the time, just increased my speed, uh, like my, my distance. Mm-hmm. I think by the time I got to that, I'd sort of basically only run about 32, I think was my longest mm-hmm. distance. Yeah. Uh, so, which I felt was okay. Um, and then what, anything after that was just going to be, well, we'll just um, stick it out to the end. Mm-hmm. So did did that, the Sydney Marathon. Uh can't quite remember my time. I think it was um, in the high threes, um, mm. close to four hours. And I was really, I was really like, this is great. I've awesome. just run 42Ks. Um, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, and I had a friend who's been running for a lot of years and we did bushwalking together and uh, he'd been running ultras for about five years. Mm-hmm. So he'd followed me in my marathon and basically messaged me straight afterwards and said, oh, awesome. Saw your result. Um, that's fantastic. And he gave me a suggestion. He said, well, I have a proposition. Um, let's. Uh, how would you like to do your first ultra? I said, I've got one for you. <laughs> let's sign up for the Hume Hovel 100K um, in October, which was five weeks away. What? <laughs> and me being me, me bushwalking, I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that. So literally the next day I signed up. For my first uh, ultra race, um, so it was the Hume Hovel 100K down at uh, Tumbarumba, and off we both went. And my friend turned around and said, "Look, no problems. It's going to be your first one. Look, I'll stick with you, so you won't feel left out. You're in the bush." Got down there, started the race. Of course, I was a lot slower than him. I think we we're about 10 k's into the race, and he just took off, oh. <laughs> left, left me to my own devices. Which which was perfectly fine. Um, yeah. Like being out in the bush, I mean, it was all marked anyway. Um, there's other runners around you. Yeah. And 
I just had the time of my life. The first 50Ks was was fantastic, a little bit longer than the, the marathon. So I could sort of, I could understand how that was going to mm-hmm. feel. Um, I got really excited when we got to the aid station at 50Ks. Then it was daunting from there. that point onwards thinking, yeah. wow, this is all new territory, unknown. new distance, mm-hmm. unknown. I've never been out for this long while trying to actually run. Uh so that was that was quite interesting. Uh, I got through the next two aid stations and was getting closer to the finish line. And I remember the last 10Ks was uh, at Tumut Dam. You sort of go around the dam, head off the dam wall, and then you finish off into the actual picnic area down the bottom. And all I can remember was running in that last sort of 10 to 5Ks was just how much I, was, I enjoyed it. It was oh. just coming into the evening. Uh, you forget about the hard periods during the day, mm-hmm. and I just thought this was ex- this was just fantastic. And mm-hmm. I came across the line with a massive smile on my face, um, mm-hmm. and just thought, "Yep, I like this. This is great." Wow. So we'd done that one. Um, I finished that in thirteen hours uh, for the hundred k uh, oh, Hume Hovel, which which was amazing. I thought that was really good. <laughs> so on the way home, because my mate and I had driven down together. Um, he made the next suggestion and he says, I have our next race. And he goes, how about we sign up for the Alpine Challenge 100-mile um, race in the Victorian high country? And just to let you know, that one's in five weeks' time. <laughs> that was that was the start of November. So it took me about a week to two weeks to just contemplate that one. Yeah. Um, I was still feeling a little bit of um, leftover from the from my 100K race. Yeah. But I... I think it was about a week later, I rang him back and just said, what the hell, let's do this. So we both signed up oh, and uh, went and did the um, Alpine 100-miler. So that was pretty much seven months after I started running. Um, I did my first 100-mile race. So would you recommend most people attack their running like that? Probably not, no. <laughs> but in saying that, it's it's – there's nothing wrong with it. It's you obviously you were fit it. enough and, and because you said you had the walking and – and as you said, the approach, if you go like yeah. a lot of blokes, sorry, guys, but there's a lot of testosterone and when they start something that's got a bit of competition involved, that kind of takes over and they often will run too fast for what they've trained for at the time. Not that they're And that's exactly right. It's as long as you feel confident that that's something that you're able to achieve. Um, I don't think it's it's a problem doing it, but you've got to know what your limits are. Um, I think growing up, I've done so many walks on my own. Um, I was often would go out in the Blue Mountains, Kananga Boy National Park, and I'd do five-day walks on my own out there. So the bush didn't – it never daunted me. Um, I was never afraid to be out there. Uh, navigation side was never a problem. Mm-hmm. So that never really scared me. The, and I didn't really think of it as a 100-mile distance. Mm-hmm. I just thought of it as like an opportunity to get out in the Victorian high country and, and try a, a race quicker. and explore a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Of course, it it was uh, a very new experience. Um, so it was it wasn't the easiest to do. Like, there's a lot of elevation in that one. Uh, my mate, my uh, my friend, and I we decided to run it as a pair. So they used to offer an opportunity that you could um, sign up as a pair. Mm-hmm. So even though it's still two individuals, but with that is you meant that you had to stay together for the whole race. Yeah. So you had to come in and leave the aid stations together, mm-hmm. and it was more just so you could support each other, yeah. uh, being in an area that you may not have been in before or doing a distance that you hadn't done. 
And for him, it was also the first time he'd set that from 100K to 100 mile. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was like a good, it was a good idea to do it together. Um, he had the experience to run um, a good distance, mm -hmm. whereas I had a bit more of experience with knowing, like with the navigation side. So I could support that with him and he could sort of support keeping me motivated and keeping me going for the, yeah. um, for the run, mm -hmm. like especially mm -hmm. for the longer distance side. Mm. So that took us that took us 33 hours to complete that. Uh, sorry, 36 hours, my, my mistake. 36 hours to complete that. Uh, wow. But what I did find, my wife actually came down and crewed for us for that race. Mm -hmm. uh, we were, I was, and my wife and myself were just very, very new. Uh, mm. Didn't know, like, nutrition, didn't really know about, like, the crewing. So when we turned up where she was crewing for us, the back of the car just had, everything it was like a smorgasbord uh, i didn't know what was what was required so she just turned up with every bit of food you could think of wow. so it was like rocking up to this big banquet of food like every time we saw her <laughs> um when we got to harrietville that was the 100k mark and uh so basically when you leave there that's mm -hmm. almost the last time you see your crew yeah. and you pass a couple of aid stations along the way but the last 60 you're pretty much on your own and I just remember my wife saying it was about one o'clock in the morning. And she goes to both of us, well done. You guys are doing fantastic. Only 60 kilometers to go. Mm -hmm. And all I remember was that just put a smile on my face. It was like <sighs> I was so excited to head back out. And it made me realize with the distance wise, going into that unknown territory and going longer actually made me happier. It made me oh, more okay. excited. It, it, I really felt like I was in the place where I wanted to be. Yeah. And that challenge of going into the unknown was, was what motivated me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just enjoyed that second half of the race way more than even in the first half. For my friend, not quite. He lost a little bit of motivation after my wife had said that because it was new for him. Yeah. So he found the second half a little bit, uh, a lot harder than what I did. Yeah. And uh, surprisingly to this date, um, so that was 2014, he's never actually run a hundred miler since then. No. Yeah, that was his it. first <laughs> that was his first and last time he ran one. Uh, whereas for myself, that was just the start of my ultra journey. And for me, it just got longer and longer. Wow. I wonder what it is about you know, that exploring the the bits beyond. I don't know how you, how you you put that. That works for you. Like, what is it that's click that's ticking off in your mind? Is it that I this is another step I haven't taken this before? This is I'm exploring new things that my body will do, new places. It, it is a challenge. Yeah. Definitely the challenge of of that unknown. So it's mm. really I really find it exciting to explore something that I haven't done before. Mm. What am I capable of doing? How far can I go? Also, too, it's about just, I find it's just about letting your mind go. So mm. if you go out doing the unknown and you let it get to you, you let it play on your mind, um, that's going to make it hard. But if you can give yourself a way to it and just actually be one with it um, and just take it as it comes, I always felt safe out there. You never feel um, unsafe. It's Everything is, is um, you're able to work through. And just not not get overly worked up over it all, and you can just go out and enjoy it. And that's sort mm -hmm. of how I approached it. Just went out there. It was like one a.m. 
I think we got halfway up to Mount Feathertop and it was about four in the morning. And I've got to admit, I was, I was so tired. I'd never sort of gone that long in one yeah. hit. So we both just stopped in the middle of the trail, took our packs off, lay down actually on the trail in the middle of it and just had a 10 minute sleep. Nice. And that was all I needed. I woke up 10 minutes later, um, woke my friend up. He was fast asleep <laughs> and we we're just lying on the rocks. But then that was it. Up we, up we went and I felt like it was a whole new whole new day, a whole new start again wow. and just off we went. So that's that's sort of how I approach it mm. and um, and that's sort of how I enjoy it. I, I, I find the enjoyment in yeah trying something new, going that little bit further, giving yourself a bit of a challenge that you may not normally do just in normal everyday life. Mm, I love that. That exploring nature of it as well, you know, that you're not quite sure what's around the corner, but you're just looking forward to experiencing it. You know, those that experience of, you know, sleeping in the middle of a trail for 10 minutes and then when you wake up, you're feeling a bit more refreshed. That kind of, that experiencing stuff make, puts shivers down my spine. Um, yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a love, good approach um, and mm. it's allowed me to, do some amazing races over the next eight years, um, mm. even up until this point, um, because of that sort of, I find that sort of approach of mm. it's who knows what's around the corner um, and part and parcel of entering these races um, is having that uh, explore, I guess. It, and that brings me back to a bit my, my bushwalking days of enjoying mm. the exploring out in the unknown. Um, the racing just basically gives you a goal. You're still exploring. It's definitely, I always find it's a lot safe. It's safe because it's there, it's marked. Mm. You may have a few issues. You may, be, you may get misplaced a little bit, but you should always be able to come back to where you mm. are. Um, and you've still got that goal to get to the end. So it's not like I've had enough now, I'll just walk off and go home. Yeah. It's, you, you've still got to give yourself that goal. So you've got to, you've got to be committed because you're in a race yeah. uh, and you're going from here to here. Everything in between is is what you're enjoying and discovering along the way. It's part of the adventure. Part of the adventure, definitely. Do you spend much time like really looking around you as well in the environment that you're in? Like, is that a part of your way through the space when you're trying to get from I, I do. start to finish? I do. It's my, my bushwalking always allowed me to do that. Mm. That uh, you can take in the surroundings while still moving, mm-hmm. and I've often been asked a lot with running that um, you miss out on so much. So you go out and do a a run in the bush, but you don't get a chance to see what's around you. But I've always, even with running, I still am able to soak in and really appreciate the environment that I'm in. And Mm -hmm. um, I do take that in, whether you're concentrating on the trail, whether it's a nice open one where you can look up and look around, I still find that I, I soak it all in. So it's, I can come out of any run, even if it's on the road or in, out in the bush and still know where I've been and still really appreciate what was around me and just really get to enjoy those surroundings at the same time. So it's, you can definitely soak it in. Um, you, uh, I know that you're a shift worker. Is that like with the Qantas, with your Qantas worker? Oh, yeah, yeah. Two, it's a shift. Uh, seven day, seven day, 24 hour shift worker. Oh, gosh. Well, maybe you already had that um you know that ability to stay up because that's what stops me with a 24-hour one often is thinking I really need my sleep I don't know how (laughs) 
be able it, to do it. It, it does. It does help. You, you still sort of feel you need the sleep, mm. but you learn how to work through it, um, and you learn how to do it with with minimal. So, and I think that's just my idea that I'll do twelve hour shifts during the day, and then mm. I do twelve hour shifts during the night. So I've I've learned in my mind that if I'm on night shift. I can have a sleep in the middle of the day and yeah. that's like my nightly sleep. Yeah. And then I can get up and go for the night as if it's just a normal day. So okay. you sort of learn in your mind to just switch everything around when you need to. Yeah. But then I find that when I'm off, you can switch your body back to just being in a normal routine. So it's, I think that ability to just switch back and forth mm. does help. Um, it doesn't stop you from feeling sleepy. Yeah. It just, it just can help with how, how to work through it and how to just accept that you are, you may be tired during that time of the morning in a, uh, in a long run, um, but you learn how to work through it. And often you learn that you'll get to a point where the next day starts and you can actually go through that stage of feeling sleepy and you basically, you, you're, you're awake again and you almost like you're starting. It's like a reset all over again oh, wow. and then away you can go. And that may last for another 18 or 20 hours before that same feeling then can kick back in again. The cycle starts to, yeah, yeah. work its back way, its way around again. Yeah. So the longest I've gone straight in a race was uh, 54 and a half hours. Holy so it, which which was very exciting because it allowed me to actually go through a third sunrise, um, which was yeah. which was very, that was an amazing experience. Um, you do realise what sleep deprivation can really feel like, mm-hmm. um, but it's amazing how much you even still go through that. And by that third day, sort of going into the like the after the forty mid forties into the fifty hour mark, it was a whole new day, and sleep just disappears again until such time as you finish and then you just your whole body just crashes <laughs> but, that's it <laughs> but definitely an amazing experience so uh but so that's the you, longest i've yeah i've gone in one you, one race did you have micro sleeps in that as well you know like the, you said before having the you, the you do the um <laughs> that one that one was um so that was the hong kong four trails ultra challenge it's a 298 kilometer run but you mm-hmm. get to run the four main trails in hong kong so between that, you actually have a transition period going from one trail to the mm-hmm. next trail. So while on trail, it's all self-supported. You get no, there's no aid stations, no crew, no help. Wow. Um, but then you can have uh, crew help to get you at the end of one trail. And then your transition period is where you can restock, do what you have to do, and then your crew will transport you to the start of the second trail mm-hmm. and then the third. And then a ferry takes you to the last trail. In that period of time, you can prep yourself, prep yourself uh, have something to eat, have a bit of a sleep if you have to. So probably for that whole race, I had a couple of sort of um, light sleeps, which are in the car while going from one trail to the next, but you're not really dozing off. And then leading up to the fourth trail, um, you've got to catch the ferry from the uh, Hong Kong Island over to Lantau. So that does give you an opportunity during that ferry trip that you can just shut your eyes. Um, again, you're not you're not fully going off to sleep, but yeah. you are stopping and resting for a small period of time. And that that ferry trip was at three in the morning on that wow. uh, second night, going into the third day. So it's uh, there was a, probably about an hour's rest in amongst that time. 
before then heading out doing the last trail, which was which took about twelve hours to run for the last trail. Mm. So yeah, very very minimal sleep over that fifty four hours. Wow. So obviously that first year, two thousand and fourteen, it opened up this door for these adventures that you now are doing all the time. <laughs> so what is what does it look like now for you? Are you doing how, like how many ultras would you be doing a year? You... Uh, it, it, it's my ultras have changed so I've actually yeah. dropped off but I've gone bigger um, mm. I got to a point in the middle I was doing probably over 10 ultras a year um, and I did a mix so I do a mix of everything I mm. from the trails um, I really still enjoyed getting doing a nice road race mm. um, so things like uh, Coast to Cozzy which is a 240k race from um, Eden all the way up to the top of Kosciuszko. Yeah. Absolutely really love that one. Uh, to doing 24-hour and 48-hour track races as well. Oh, wow. So I do enjoy my time running around a track. Around um, I've counted that. Years ago I, we had a couple here in Launceston and I was yep. a, a lap a counter. counter. <laughs> so that, I did do a two-hour run as well, but I was a lap counter most of the time. I find with the track, it's it's you're very much running to your own ability, and it gives you an opportunity to really discover what you're capable of doing in in a very um, very safe environment, not, it? very controlled environment. Mm. It's which is really nice. So you go to the bathroom. Everything else is four hundred meters. <laughs> yeah, have a everything else is taken out of the mix. You don't have to think about anything. Um, you know your crew's there. Mm. You know the course is there. Um, there's nothing else to think about but just basically run to whatever you're able to do and you can see what you can achieve within that time. So mm. I find that quite interesting with track. Uh, the road I really enjoy and then also I've always enjoyed doing trails mm. and I was running anywhere up to like 500 milers within a year while doing two track of, two 24-hour track events in a year, throwing a lot of like 50Ks and shorter races. Um, my my racing now has changed a bit, so um, I do do some slightly longer ones. So last year, uh, I did three races last year. It was, I did a 48-hour track event in March, mm-hmm. then got to represent Australia in the 24-hour championships for my third time. That was in India awesome. in July for the Asian Championships. Amazing. And finished off with a race uh, doing the 3,100-mile race over in New York, mm-hmm. uh, which basically went for 52 days. So that's pretty much... Um, explain that. <laughs> so that pretty I much took up it, my whole explain, year. Explain to other people, which might have people, they might be saying, sorry, what did you just say? You didn't okay. say 52 so, hours, did you? <laughs> no, it was 52 <laughs> days long. So the race is the Sri Chimnoi self-transcendence 3,100 mile race, um, which is run around a half mile block in Queens, New York. Mm -hmm. So it's not a point to point. So it's another, basically a looped race. Um, You basically run for 18 hours a day. Uh, They close the course at midnight because everyone has to have a set rest period for safety reasons. And then the course reopens at 6 a.m. the next morning. And you basically run to you've got 52 days to run to try and achieve 3,100 miles or if you don't possibly get to reach that distance the commitment is to still be there for 52 days Mm -hmm. so for myself 
with a few issues. I had a few feet issues. Um, I basically didn't quite reach the distance. I ended up running 4,400 kilometres as opposed to just shy of 5,000, but still had the commitment to do to be out on course for the whole 52 days and Amazing. ran up until the end. And there was five of us out of the 12 that was in the race that was still there right at the end point of 52 days. That's just... So that- so that reduced my my amount of racing for last year, um, just purely on the fact that that did take up probably a quarter of my year, um, all within one race. That's just even. I suppose you took long service leave. You did say you've been at Qantas for thirty three years. <laughs> you could I did have long service leave. <laughs> I was lucky enough that yeah, I have a lot of long service. So yeah. I had three months three months long service leave, which allowed me to. Oh, wow get over there, have the race, also come home and then yeah. have a good good recovery period back at home, really resting before going back to work. So, so that sounds like an amazing it's an amazing challenge. One question that came to my mind is why the the particular distance? You know how they said that you said there's a distance that's a goal. Is there a reason there's that? Yep. So Sri Chimnoy who mm-hmm. um who basically it's his organization, um the 3,100 was a significant number for him. Okay. So the original race used to be 2,700 miles. Mm-hmm. And then he found that people were achieving that quite well. So it wasn't long before he upped it to 3,100. Okay. Both numbers were significant within himself. Yeah. So, um, and that's where the 3,100 came. Okay. So, which is also just shy of 5,000 kilometres. So it ends up being about 12K shy of 5,000 Ks. Um, so anyone who reaches that 3,100 have the opportunity to then continue on for about another 14 laps and they get to actually then do, um, so yeah, then they get to do the extra distance so they can clock and record a 5,000 K distance over and above the actual race. So for him, like for, it's called the trans Transcendent... Yeah, self self transcendence race. <laughs> Something or other. Um, when I hear that, it make and I've only heard of, of this race recently when somebody was referring to it in the podcast, and I think they're referring to you doing it. So <laughs> hence you are okay. now here. Um, but um, transcend does is the whole purpose behind it in many ways, and those people who sign up like you is the idea that when you go after a goal like this or you try want to achieve something like that, that there is an element of personal growth, personal um stuff that you're that you're hoping to get out of that as well. Like it's it's not just yes, here's another event I've ticked it off. There's a whole lot of other depth and stuff that you're doing it for that you're hoping to achieve from it, if that makes sense. You know, it is. It's very eloquent. It's basically a race that a race that to do or achieve this race, you have to try and find some form of transcendence within to it. Mm. You couldn't just approach it like a, a normal shortened race because everything that you have to tackle throughout those 52 days, and you, you'll come across a lot of different things on how to approach it, different weather, different feelings, different mm. state of mind, um, just dealing with growing injuries um, and niggles and having how to work through them. So if you're not prepared to give yourself over to the race, yeah. chances are your mind will take over and it will basically want you to stop running. Um, most races where you're going to get to a point where you feel like you just can't continue, 
a lot of people would just go, that's, that's it. Why am I going to suffer myself to the end of the race? Mm -hmm. I will, I will save it for another day. Being a race of, it's a commitment for 52 days um, on the hope that you achieve that full distance. So you have to approach it in a way that you will come across a lot of things that you have to work through and deal through. Um, and you just have to know how to do that. And really the only way you can do that is if you give yourself over and you just become one with the race. And that's where the self-transcendence comes from. So you, you, you do get a lot of growth out of it. And it's, it's, you can almost say it is, it's a bit of an enlightenment um, to, to running this race. Mm. So you, you do become, you, you sort of reach some form of higher power. Now that can be amongst a lot of things um, and everyone's individual and how they or what they seek and how they reach that and allow themselves to then have that takeover and basically just continue on. Mm. And for myself, I, I had quite a few issues. It was certainly a distance way longer than I've ever done before. So my previous distance I've ever run was 650 kilometers in a six-day race and then I went across and did this one so that was a bit 4, more than 10 percent or whatever <laughs> physios a little more than 10 percent increase <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so everything after six days was was brand new territory for me mm. um so I, there was a lot of things I had to discover um there was a lot of um I had to take my mind to places I haven't been before and how to how to achieve certain things, how to be able to find that routine um, and know that you have to do this day in, day out. Um, part of the, one of the biggest rules or what they require is no matter what happens, you have to be on the start line at 6 a.m. every morning. Wow. So course closes at midnight. You are allowed to, to finish early if you're mm -hmm. happy with what you've achieved in your distance each day. Mm -hmm. um, but you've got to be back there. So everyone's on the start line at 6 a.m. in the morning for the start of the race. Right. So there's a lot of commitment there to no matter how bad or how hard your previous day is, mm -hmm. uh, you go to bed. Um, we all average probably only about four and a half hours sleep for the 52 days each night. Wow. So you have to deal with that and train your body and just adjust mm -hmm. to that's what you're going to be getting and still learn to get up in the morning. But feel like you're committed um, and, and that you want to do it. So, And if you didn't want to do it, there's no way you'd be getting out of bed in the morning because if you're feeling not feeling the best uh, and there was so much different weather conditions, it was hot, it was wet, it was raining, it was cold, um, then you had your issues in your own body. I had a lot of feet issues that I had mm -hmm. to deal with. Um, but you had to feel positive every morning. And if you can do that and you can let your mind go, then the race is achievable and um it was something i really wanted to discover and i just felt last year i'd been aiming for this for five years and um, worked really hard with tree chimney australia who i have a really good relationship with who basically sponsored me um and put my name forward for the race over in new york wow. so and they've taught me a lot about discovering myself and giving away to the running and um yeah, and just being one, just being one with the course that you're with, mm -hmm. and yeah, so I was I was proud, even though I didn't quite reach the distance, but really, really proud that I was still able to go to the end of the 52 days, and felt at no time, no matter how hard it got for me, I never really felt like quitting. So I just knew that I just had to keep discovering new things and new ways to get through each day, 
And I still wanted, all I could think about is, is I wanted to be able to get back there the next day to continue, which just meant the next day and the next day, and then allowed you to get to the end. So that's yeah. sort of where the race is is born out of. So how, how many people do you? Uh, it can change. Maximum's about 14. We had 12 people in our year. Some years I've had as little as um, seven or eight people. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of an invitational race. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a matter of, Tall people apply, they get in. Uh, you basically, you put in a request that you'd like to be a part of the race and then the race directors in New York will assess knowing who you are, what you've done in the past. If you're committed to doing something like this, if they felt that you would will fit within the community because mm-hmm. you're, you're now being with the same group of people, the runners and the volunteers and the for support <laughs> for a long time. So you're basically living together with each other for 52 days so they've got to feel that you're a a fit for the community a fit Mm -hmm. for the group um, but also that you're committed that you've got that commitment whether you can reach a distance or you're committed to keep going the time Mm -hmm. so they don't want someone to go halfway through I'm not going to reach that distance that's it this is as far as I can go and walk away they've almost pretty much never had anyone do that so they're, they're very very good at who they pick and it allows it also means often a lot of the same people will come back mm-hmm. year in year eight uh year out and do it again and so yeah. uh that was my first time I, i've been yeah. invited back i, was gonna, um, you I would love thinking? <laughs> i do i would love to go back mm-hmm. but in myself and the reason why i did it this time uh last year was i felt in myself in my heart it was something i want to do and it was right to do mm-hmm. so I feel it'll have to be the same again. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't just go back to say I've got to complete something yeah. I didn't actually finish. Yeah. Because I really feel within myself that I still did finish that race by doing the full yeah. commitment for 52 yeah. days. I don't feel like I failed, but yeah. it would be nice to go back, try it a bit differently with what I've learned out of running for 52 days straight. And if I can then put those learnings back into giving it another go and achieving the full distance as well so but that may be two three or four years time um but i'll I'll let my i'll let my heart tell me when it's ready to do it again but i would definitely like to go back um and and give it another go at some point so what do you think what were your biggest takeaways from doing that event like what have you what did you learn about the biggest takeaway is everything is achievable it's it's no matter how daunting something looks, um, as long as you don't go into it thinking it's above and beyond you, mm-hmm. you can tackle anything and you can approach anything as long as you know what you're approaching and um, and tackle it in a way that allows it to be achievable. You can achieve anything you want to achieve. And that really showed me that going from just running six days which I'd done as a, um, that was my qualifying race. I'd done it as a solo six-day race around a track during COVID um, to have it as my qualifier for the 3,100. Wow. And that was, I I really enjoyed that. Yeah. um, And realised that that was was well achievable. Mm -hmm. And just use that same approach going, all right, I have no idea what day seven to day 52 is going to be like. I don't think you could even work out what that's mm. going to be like. So basically going into it knowing that 
you'll just discover it as each day comes and you'll work through it as each day comes. You can achieve that. And it, it allowed me to realize that basically I can achieve whatever I want to put my mind to. Mm. So, and it, it just opens up the realm of what's next. What can I do? It can be smaller. It can still be as big, but it just made me realize that absolutely nothing really can really seems daunting. Um, just, yeah, just feel comfortable in what you can possibly do and, um, and go for it. So what is next? Stephen. So next for me is a race that's on the opposite end of the scales. Um, yeah. I'm not sure you've heard of it, but okay most race. people have. <laughs> uh, not quite. It's a hundred mile. Well, it's it's a five lap hundred mile race, but back in America, it's actually in five weeks' time. Um, oh, so it's uh, I got accepted into Barkley Marathons. I have heard of that. I think I'm yeah. pretty sure I've heard of that. Yeah. Most most runners do know about it. Um, it's it's basically a race run by a guy named Lazarus Lake um, over in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's a race that's not advertised. The entry is not advertised. You've got to work out how to get into it. It's another invitational race once yeah. you work out how to get into it. Yeah. And it's basically a race that would be on the scale of where I've just come off with my road race. This would be a trail race of the complete opposite nature to what I've come off so it is predominantly off track it's all navigational so no gps's no watches no phones yeah. uh, map and compass you don't know the course until um the night before the race mm-hmm. um you don't know when the race starts it race starts over a 12 hour window um <laughs> you've got to find 14 books out on course to prove that you've actually completed the full distance it's like an uh, have, course <laughs> it's a bit orienteering <laughs> About 70% of the race will be off trail. So there's a little 30% on trail. The rest of it basically just goes straight off the trail, straight into into the bush. Mm -hmm. Lots of elevation. And you have each lap, you have a 12-hour time frame to complete each lap to allow you to go out on the the next lap and subsequently up to five laps. So in showing how hard the race is, um, it's been running for about 40 years. So overall, he's had about 1,000 competitors um, do it because he only allows 40 runners each year here to all he invites. Uh-huh. Out of that time and the amount of runners, only 17 people have ever completed five laps in that whole time. And wow. <laughs> the, the last finisher was back in 2017. So no. he hasn't had someone complete five laps since 2017. No so way. It's, so it is, it is a hard course. Um, but as Laz basically explains it if you approach it right and again if you don't let it get to you the course is 100% achievable in doing the five laps so it's a matter of how you want to approach it um, how good you are at it it doesn't mean you have to be the you not have to be the fastest runner um, or the most experienced you've just got to be someone who's uh, willing to be open um, work through things as you go. So yeah. a lot like what I've done, but just on a very mm. technical um, sort of rugged style mm. of trail running as opposed to just on a, uh, yeah. a nice concrete path running around a yeah. uh, half-mile block. That sounds so, amazing. Yeah. Sounds like lots of fun. I didn't know all of the detail, and, yeah, that does sound actually like fun as well, if that makes because 
Yeah, yes, we're a big yes. a family of playing. We game like play games. You know, whether it's board games or um, you know, like orienteering or um, was it? There's the other one where you go in um, all of this um, geocaching. So we do a lot of geocaching yes. over the years. You know, that kind of thing where we're yep. out trying to find something or solve a puzzle or something. Um, and if you can so do it, the bit of running. A as lot well. of people like it. There's a lot of people. Probably about ninety percent of the world will go. Great, love following it. Yeah. Um, all know about the race, but then they'll all go. I have no interest in running it. It's yeah. just, it's it's too rough and probably yeah. too gnarly for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, they do like a course. I guess that would be a known, uh, yeah. marked. Yeah. So this one goes a little bit further. Um, mm. But I find for myself, it brings me back to my bushwalking days yeah. um, with something like this. So so basically joining the two together. So allows a bit of that with my running um, and brings it all into one um, amazing experience of a race. So, so you're doing I that, discovered that in a, in a few so weeks? In a, about five, six weeks. So, Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Where did you discover so, it? Uh, so I first learned about this right back when I started running. Um, it was oh, just wow. started running. I started researching what's out there in the world. Um, it was a few races I always wanted to give it a go. Um Ones like Hard Rock over in Colorado, which is a hard one to get into. Western States was another one for its history. Uh, UTMB, these are all the big races. That yeah. was like another one I discovered, but for being in the Alps. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered Barclays right back at the start, um, as well as the Sri Chimnoy 3100. I discovered that really early in my running yeah. career as well. But with Barclays, it's like I knew about it. Um, you start researching there's no information out there. You have to <laughs> you have to work it out. Um, so it's taken me eight years through working it out and applying and finally getting accepted into the race. That's amazing. So just... while this year may not be the probably perfect year with a bit of recovery still happening mm. from last year, but it's a race that you just can't say no. Yeah. So it's um being accepted was just it was always gonna happen. Does it help that you work with Qantas? Like a lot of these races you're talking about are not in Australia or not in you know Sydney where you live. Is it, um, you get cheaper airfares? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I, have, of, I have used I have used travel. my staff travel, um, which we get at discount fares. Yeah, but on top of that, they're all standby travel, so you got to be very very flexible. Oh, of um, so it's not confirmed travel, so mm. you get cheaper fares, but you're on standby. So. Yeah. You're basically the last to hop on a plane. Yeah. Um, be prepared that if that plane's full, you've got you to bumped. adjust. <laughs> you get bumped. Um, you got to then start adjusting on other ways to get to where you need mm. to go. And you can still do that often on standby, but yeah. sometimes it can be a bit of a roundabout trip. Uh, in saying that, it's been a lot harder since COVID. So I've done a few of my overseas trips have been just full, full paying fares because mm. with the industry starting up, Post COVID, it's just been been crazy. Uh, I've been it's on been a few crazy. Plans, like... <laughs> Very full these days. Um, yeah, it's like everyone's. So, that's it. I haven't travelled for two years. I'm going to travel yep. every month. <laughs> so something. less less schedules and more people travelling. So yeah. less opportunity to find a spare seat on a plane. Yeah. Um, and so no, I've had I've had a couple of staff travel flights, um, mm. but I've paid full fare for a couple. Yeah. It's it's part and parcel of it. it so it does help when it does. Um, yeah, but. Still prepared to pay to get overseas if I have to. Yeah, that's awesome. And what do your family think about this 
behavior of yours in the last um, nine years <laughs> gone from sort of casual bushwalking and hiking and things to um you know full-on you know weekend week month-long yeah. events it's uh it's oh, obviously look, taken over a little <laughs> it, it it has yeah my, my wife's really supportive um she knows that's that it's something i really i'm really passionate about um, yeah she supports she supports me a fair bit um mm-hmm. She's a really great, she crews for a lot of my races when yeah. she can. Um, I still do a lot that may be out and about, like a way. I got to, I just got to basically self-support myself for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a few friends come and um, support me at some races, which is nice. Yeah. But my wife, yeah, she's very supportive. Um, and then when she does able to come and crew, she'll she'll do it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And she understands it. It's a, it's a big passion of mine. So as she yeah. said, You've got to you've got to go for your passion. Um, yeah. She said, "What she basically her idea is is it's not up to her to stifle that passion mm-hmm. out of somebody, which is which is lovely." Yeah, um, is. My kids, awesome. my kids are growing up. Uh, my daughter doesn't. She thinks it's okay, but not too much. My son, he was never into it. Thought I was crazy. Has actually taken up running himself now. Oh, I love um, that. In the last two years, mm-hmm. and uh, which is really nice. So, yeah. and he's doing he's doing really well. Um, basically, this is second year running, but first year of actually giving some competitive races mm-hmm. a go, and um, he's doing really well. But nice that he discovered that on his own, yeah. and didn't feel the need to do it just because he's following in my footsteps. So, yeah. um, which is yeah, and it's 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 lovely to see. We we often talk in the podcast, like I talk to lots of parents, and we talk a little bit about even if your kids don't seem to want to run or or do any kind of sport necessarily, the fact that they see their parents doing it voluntarily and and as a passion, it sort of puts it as a tool in their back pocket. So if at any stage they decide, actually, I want to get a bit fitter or life's a bit crap, I see mum goes for a run and she feels always seems to be happier at the end of a run, you know, whatever, um, that they know that it's something that's available to them because, you know, you're part of their DNA. and Definitely. No, I think that's where my son has come out of that. So he's 26 mm. now. Mm. Um, he actually, his idea, he started running because he doesn't drive. Um, mm. He was always walking from his home to uh, the university where he works. Oh, wow. And he, his idea was that he might as well try giving running a go because if he's walking there, that way he can get there a bit quicker. So <laughs> same idea. It was, um, well, if it's instead of taking an hour to walk there, how yeah. about I, I pick, take up running and I can get to work a little bit quicker. That's so that's sort of where he was born with his running. And I, I think watching me run and what I've achieved over the last nine years, as you mentioned, it probably has been in, the, in his back of his mind. Mm. And same as me, I started running when I felt it was right, mm. not pushing him into saying, let's go and do it and just letting him choose and discover it. I think him discovering it when he was ready mm-hmm. um, meant that he's he could be committed because it's something he wanted to do as opposed mm-hmm. to feeling like he was being forced into doing something that his parents do that may not necessarily be something he wanted to. So it it's like really, yeah, really nice mm-hmm. to watch and then yeah. notice that he's, he's taken it seriously as well. So he's done his research. He's not just got an old pair of shoes and just decided to run around the block. Yeah. So he's, he's gone full on into it and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, which is really good. So, and being a lot younger than me, he should have um, a very good career yeah. uh, going forth with running. I was um, thinking earlier when you were talking about rock climbing, uh, my two younger boys who live at home still 19 and 21, they've both taken um, 
a lot to climbing, but inside indoor climbing at the moment. Yeah, indoor gyms, yeah. Almost every day for the last couple of months. <laughs> like they're quite addicted to it. But anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Look, it's rock climbing is the same again. So it's again, it's something you've got to put your mind to. Mm. Um, you've got to take it seriously. It's it's a challenge and you you work it out as you go. I think that's what I liked with with the the bushwalking, mm. the the long running, the rock climbing, all that sort of to me, it's all about approaching those challenges and trying to work out those challenges and knowing that you're going to come across different things along the way and being able to be flexible and adjust and work through them. And through that, it's amazing what you can achieve. And that's how I used to take my rock climbing in my younger days was was reaching the top of the cliff. That was an amazing goal, like reaching the end of a race. Mm. But sometimes each one could be slightly different, Um, even if you did the same climb over and over again. Because you may approach it differently, you may have felt differently in the day, not as strong, um, conditions were slightly different. So, and that's that's sort of how I took up running, um, mm. and even with the bushwalking. So, I think they all they all sort of fit well together um, yeah. and complement each other. What do you think motivates you to keep exploring these amazing events? I just love the feeling of what I get when I'm out there running. Um, I find it quite calming. Um, so that's probably my biggest part of running is it's it's a beautiful, calming feeling. Um, it's quite meditating, I feel. Uh, life's so busy these days. Uh, my work is just so busy. Um, my, my mind never stops. When you're at work, you're just going 12 hours a day. Mm. So when you do get to have a chance to go running um, and get out there, you can just switch it all off. Um, I may run sometimes with just music in. Music often can just let my mind go as opposed to being front and foremost. It can be very background style music. And I guess that's like my company um, as I do a lot of my running on my own. But a lot of that motivation is just, it just makes me feel great. Um, Mm. It seems to calm me down. It's made me a better person over the last nine years. Um, Mm. I find as opposed to what I was when I was younger. So that all that together just yeah just keeps me motivated to want to keep doing it. and I, I just enjoy I've, I've always enjoyed being out there I've always enjoyed exploring so it's just another form and uh, sort of expanding on all that exploration for myself and giving me new opportunities to try something new how long do you think you'll run for hopefully as long as I can mm-hmm. as long as my body allows me to um, I think I'll always do it from this point onwards in some form um, yeah. It's it's a big part of my life now. So between between the runs that I like to do, um, so I, I do. I've actually gone right into the whole running community. So not only do I run myself, um, I enjoy just normal running training every day. I do like races. I like uh, doing lots of exploring. So I'll do. I can do a big run um, just for myself. That's not even a race. Yeah. So I'll make um, I'll make a hundred or a hundred and thirty k or even a hundred mile course and I'll actually just go run that myself um, wow. and I get the same achievement and satisfaction out of that yep. as I would have if as if it was a race mm-hmm. um, I also I'm on the committee for our ultra running association for aura so yep. um, so I'm part of the committee for that so it's nice to be able to give back to the running um, scene in Australia 
and hopefully with us as committee members and everyone else who's involved, just bettering the sport and mm-hmm. getting it more more known out there and, and more accessible to everybody mm-hmm. and showing everybody that um, ultra running is just fantastic and it's not just for the elites, mm-hmm. but it's for the whole wider community. Yeah, And I also um, race direct to my own race as well. So um, I picked that up during COVID. Um, So I do a a 48 and a 24-hour race here in Sydney. Um, So basically I have six races over the weekend. So I do a 48, a 24, a 12-hour, a six-hour, a three-hour, and a marathon over a three-day running weekend. And where Um, are they? So it's, it's all, all together. So it's on um so it's on a track. So I call it it's called the Southern Sydney Twenty Four Hour Ultra. Um, generally run. Uh, so I run the last two years out of Barden Ridge in the Sutherland Shire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be in Campbelltown next year, or sorry, this year, just due to the track being resurfaced at Barden Ridge. So I had yeah. to move it for 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 this year. Yeah. So we're at the we're at the Campbelltown Athletics Track. Yeah. And I basically re retook over um so Sri Jimnoy used to run the 24 hour in Sydney for the last 30 to 35 years mm-hmm. so they end up because they're based in Canberra they had the opportunity to pick up the Canberra's race which was a 24 and 48 hour so it sort of made sense for them to move their their okay. race and their operation mm-hmm. back down to where they're actually based mm-hmm. with all their other races and that meant Sydney basically they just folded the Sydney race so it didn't have one anymore and just being passionate about th- that's a really big part of our ultra running community. And I feel that track running has a really big part in the whole ultra scene because it allows everybody a very safe haven to come yeah. and discover what they're able to do, but feel just as important no matter whether you're the slowest runner mm-hmm. or the fastest runner, whether you're an elite runner someone who's represented Australia or someone who's trying an ultra distance for the very first time. The nice thing about a track run is everyone is is exactly the same. Everyone's equal. Mm. Everyone gets to run together. Um, everyone finishes at the same time. So whoever wins still finishes at the same time as the person with, say, the least amount of kilometres. And you can so, see people all the time, like the people you that you're s- running with, whether they're, even if they're like much faster than you or much slower than you, you're seeing them all yep. the time because they're on that. All the time. There's right. so much more encouragement. The mm-hmm. amount of um, new runners that say the encouragement they get from the more experienced runners, it mm. blows their mind. And no one feels like that um, they're being either left out or that mm-hmm. they're holding up a race. And often with a point-to-point race, mm. New runners often who are right at the back can feel um, a bit anxious because they then yeah. feel like, am I holding up the race? Uh, are they all waiting for me? The sweepers. Um, the sweepers always pace. on their tail. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> or even sometimes they'll come across the finish line and the race has all been packed up. Yes. Um, so yes. Which When is, I was a director, I made sure that did not happen. <laughs> no, and I, I, I feel the same. And that's one thing I love about that track racing is, there's no packing up because mm. the only time you pack up is when every single race is done. So everyone just gets that beautiful mm. atmosphere and they feel just as important as everybody else. So mm. I didn't That's want to good. lose that in Sydney. So, um, and I got stood down for most of 2020 um, from of work. Course, yeah. So sitting at home for lots of periods um, wasn't really good for my mental health. You had time. So <laughs> we basically, my wife and I decided that. Um, this would be a good project. Um, I approached Rich Imnoy if they were happy if I was to continue. 
they were ecstatic, saying that it actually would be a whole new race. So it's not a continuing of their race. It would be my race. But I've always felt like it's my honour of continuing on their legacy that they used to have in Sydney. And um, so, yes, I started a whole new race, new name. New website, new logo. Um, I'll get new, the new details business. from you and put it in the, the show notes as well so people can have a look and explore. Because oh, often beautiful. people have not, like I've just happened because I have a friend who moved here from the mainland quite a few years ago, um, Davo, and he started a 12-hour a thing here. It only was around yep. for th- two or three years. Um, David Brailsford, yep. I'm not sure if he's listening to the podcast. Um yeah, so that was the only reason I even really know, you know, what it was or have been involved in one. So uh, there's yeah. probably plenty of opportunity, as you said, the way you explained it there, for other for people to get involved, whether they're just wanting to explore what it's like to run in an ultra but don't want to, you know, do the other versions of ultras that are out there, no. which are a bit and, more threatening. And that's why we range from three all the way up to 48. So mm-hmm. um, the three hours are really good introductory. So you don't necessarily reach an ultra distance, mm-hmm. but it gives one an opportunity to go, what and what can I achieve in that period of time? Mm-hmm. And they might get to the end of three hours and then go, oh, that's actually really good. Yeah. I still feel great. And then come back the next year and go, look, I'm happy to step it up and try the six hour. Mm-hmm. But if they get four or five hours in and then find it hard, it doesn't mean that they are going to DNF. It doesn't mean they have to quit mm-hmm. because no matter where you stop in a in a timed race, your distance is still your finishing distance. Exactly. So you could have the last hour off resting, but whatever you've achieved, even after five hours, you still get a six-hour finishing distance. Yeah. So that's the nice thing. And I love that. Being, a, being a track race, you can stop at three or four or five, yeah. even if you're in a 24-hour race, yeah. 18. You can have a rest, but there's nothing stopping you then coming back out. And you're still amongst the field. So it's not like you come out an hour later and now you're an hour behind everybody else. You're still with everybody else and you just still keep clocking over your your goal distance. So when that's, I was in, that's what... involved in the one here, my uh, a young nephew of mine who is quite fit and was playing football and boxing and things, this is like 10 or 15 years ago, he came out, um, so we'd only been 18 or 19, said, oh, I'll give it a go. And he's only focusing on the time. He wasn't really a runner or anything. Um, yep. He was like, yes, I want to give the six-hour one a go because a friend of his decided he'd also give it a go. And he, I think he pulled out about four and a half, five hours. He had either somewhere else to go or what, I can't really remember. But later on he said, oh, Artie Shelley, I God, I did a marathon. I did over 42 kilometers. And he didn't, like, it wasn't the purpose of it. It wasn't the distance no. for him. It was just to get out there and be part of it. And, you know, he was quite fit. Um, anyway, he was like, I did a marathon. I didn't even realize it was an accidental marathon. If you like. And that's, and that's, quite that's interesting. the nice thing about so cool. that is. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about a time-style race is a lot of people, some will go out there and try and achieve a goal uh, mm. on the distance. But at the end of the day, it's like, all right, I'd like to see if I can get to the end of my six hours or 12 hours or whichever mm. time distance that you pick. And, of course, and I've had the same, so many runners, especially people who have done it for the first time, go, I never thought I could do that. And I said, and that's the whole idea of this is we're there to show you and a time race allows you to realise what you actually are able to achieve. And you'll be surprised yeah. that you can probably achieve a lot more than what you think, think you can mm. um, because you haven't got that anxious thought about I've got to get to that distance somewhere in the middle of nowhere right down the other end it's they don't have to worry about that anymore so that whole 
um, worry goes out of their mind and then they can just concentrate on just enjoying running for that amount of time mm -hmm. and feel good with what they've achieved at the end. So, yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh. No, it's lovely. Very cool. Um, with your 12-hour shifts, how do you fit your training in? Do you, on those days, do you not train and then you, yeah, like how do you shuffle it's, your training around with those kind of unusual times that you work? I have a very irregular training schedule. Mm. Um, I've never had a coach. Um, mm. I tend to find being my training around my shift work, I've just got to fit it in, mm -hmm. I feel, when I can. So my long runs could be on any day of the week. Um, yeah. I could go a couple of days without running because of the way the shift works mm -hmm. or I could do multiple days of long runs um, just to squeeze in what I want to squeeze in for a week. Do you think so about it like ahead of time when you know what your roster is? Do you think, okay, I'm going to make sure I do have to do a run on that Wednesday and a longer one on the Friday? You know, do you look at it like that or do you just feel, okay, today? A lot of it's feel. I, I try and look yeah. ahead but it might not always work. Um, okay. I can come off a 12-hour day shift and I'm so, so shattered. It's mm. like you come home. I'm yeah. up at 3.30 in the morning and I don't get home until 6 o'clock in the evening. Mm. So by the time you get home, you want to go out, but mm. your body's just not in a position to do it. So, mm. And sometimes I feel if I went out, it'd actually be more negative yeah. than not going. So mm. I, just, I just come to the fact that that would be a day I don't run. But uh, after two day shifts, um, I'll be on a night shift. So then I might go and do a morning run before a night shift. And that can be short or long. Mm -hmm. uh, but I basically, you know, I try and reach an average of about 100 Ks a week. How I get to that can look different. can be different every week. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, and because you work weekends, you may not be doing long runs on the weekends. So I'll do, I can do a long run in the middle of the week. Yeah. Or I might just do a whole week worth of average runs that can still make up to 100K, but without a long run in there. So um, it's very, very flexible. Um, and I, I've, I've learned how to just to basically do that. And um, I usually just on the day, I will pretty much decide how I feel on that day, whether it'll be a road, a trail, whether I can go a little bit longer, whether it's just one hour or whether I'm in the mood to do two or three hours. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'll usually as I go to bed at night, I can sort of make a half decision yeah. and usually decide yeah. the next morning when I wake up how that run that day is going to look. Okay. Um, injuries. How do you deal with those? Oh, you must have had a few. You talked about your feet. Um, uh, yeah, that, well, that was that was very race specific. Yeah. Um, so during the race, I got I actually had to. I was stopped running for four days. Um, they forced me off the track for okay. four days in the middle of the race. <gasps> while my feet had to repair themselves. So I had I had some really bad macerated tissue on the balls of my feet and just behind all my toes um, from just my style of running and then running that long on the pavement. Yeah. So it got to a point where all the tissue, you know, about four layers had broken through the outer skin. So there was like the outer skin had broken and the next layer had come through and that had broken and it went down through about four layers of like tissue. So blister on blister on blister type of not even so much <laughs> blister. It's it was caught a lot about blisters, but it was more so they actually said it was the tissue become became macerated from the pounding with my style of running. I was, mm -hmm. um, so because of that, then it swelled a lot. And yeah. so there was very little fluid in there, but a lot of swelling. But then okay. that swelling would then break through the outer layer, which then looked 
came into like a, a very horrible blister style um, mm -hmm. injury. And then because you're still running on that, then I was getting the next layer doing the same and that would yeah. swell mm -hmm. and then that would break through. So I had a lot of, I had about four layers that had Quite broken painful, through. Sound very it. painful. Mm -hmm. um, the four days was basically to try and reseal up the outer skin layer, mm -hmm. which we did after within the four days. My yeah. feet healed pretty good. Everything underneath was still very, very sensitive. So I had to then come back. I still had 25 days of running. I managed oh, to wow. still knock out about another 2,500 Ks in that time. Wow. But I had to do it very, very carefully managing my feet. Yeah. So some days were shorter running days. Mm -hmm. um, some were able to run longer, uh, depending on whether it was hot and the feet were heating up so it was getting soft or whether it was raining so as opposed to whether it was dry. So I had to, had to be very careful in how I managed my feet. But we managed to get to the end of the race without re-breaking the outer skin layer Okay. for the last 25 days, Still which was the only reason why I could get to the end. Mm. But internally, um, yeah, the tissue was very, very sensitive and sore. Mm. And I've probably lost, I was probably about 70 to 80% um, of the whole front half of my feet were just numb by the end of the race. So just yeah. tingly and numb, so no mm. feeling. So you yeah. could sit there and prod whatever you wanted on the toes and I couldn't feel a thing. Wow. Yeah. So that and that made it really hard to to manage your feet because one not having that sensation at the front, you, yeah. you just couldn't feel how you're approaching or um, yeah. landing on the ground. Mm. So, but then you still had the pain. So I had a lot of nerve pain um, where it was shooting from internally to out of my feet. Mm. So that was just all the the nerve endings were very very sensitive, just yeah. due to the fact that the feet were so had done a lot of pounding. Really but that was more that was more my own injury with my style of running. Took me a long time to change my running style throughout that race to match of a more shuffle style run. Um, I'm I'm a bit of a bouncier runner, so yeah. not quite conducive to a 52 day run. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot out of that. Um, wow. Learned how to manage my, through my feet. Learned how to manage the pain. Because even that can um, create more issues, can't? Like if you're changing your running style in the middle of an event like that or at any time actually, can then create, you know, knock on things, whether it's your knees or your hips or something else goes, oh, hold on, this is not yep. the way you I, normally I run. did. <laughs> uh, I had um, front um, front tendons on the, um, the ankle joint um, got very inflamed. Um, my Achilles, um, oh. one, one to the other, um, then also got really tight and inflamed. And all of them, you just got to run through. You got to learn how to just actually run through that pain yeah. and allow it to just heal itself, which may take up to seven days. So you've, that's just another bit of pain. And not so yeah. much it was an injury, but they're just, yeah. just issues that have arisen. Mm. Mm. Um, what it proved to me was is everything is healable, even if mm. you're still running 16 hours a day, every wow. day. Um, where at home you may think, oh, my Achilles is gone, yeah. I can't run. Our bodies can... are machines. Like we don't give them enough credit sometimes. We think. certainly don't. And this really made me appreciate what you can actually, what you're capable of doing yeah. um, with all these issues. So I learned <clears throat> really, I learned big time how to, how to manage that pain. Mm. Um, so you basically, I found it was about focusing on the pain Yep. But then you just focused through it and mm. you just try to make that pain more your friend. 
like an acceptance, uh, like we talk in mindfulness, that's part of the podcast. We kind of bring in elements of mindfulness, which, you know, leans into some of the stuff you've been talking about as well. But a lot is, of that is acceptance, isn't it? It's that you, you, you know, just accept that it's there. Yeah, you're not, you're um, so not going to change this right now. So you should just accept no. it. And, and that's exactly that. right. It's if you didn't accept that pain and like what I, what I, some of it I had during the race, if I did not accept that, there was no way I would have continued. Mm. I would have just stopped and walked away. The four mm. days that I didn't run, the day that I actually they pulled me off course, mm. that pain was was past an acceptable level. Um, yeah. But my feet were just my feet were terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the photos were horrible. It was um, it was not something that you probably wanted to keep going. A um, yeah. lot of chance of infection if I because it was all open yeah. wounds yeah. underneath my feet. So. I think it was it was a wise thing that they got me to stop. It was hard not running yeah. for four days. So that was a question I wanted to ask you. How what was going on in your mind for those four days? I can only imagine. Like, did you do lots of meditation and things? So focus on other things. And oh, so my do? biggest thing was I I still kept the routine going. So so out of the four days, the first day I, I did only seventeen laps when they pulled me off course. That was mm. day one, and then I had three days of no running. It was supposed to be uh, six days. We managed to convince them to bring me back to four. Um, and I got out on the track a little bit earlier than I, I thought I was going to. But the days that I didn't run, I still had the alarm go off at five in the morning and I still got up. I still put all my running gear on. Yeah. Um, I still walked. So actually where I stayed, um, I was cycling to and from the track because mm-hmm. I was only about um, five minutes from the track where mm-hmm. the course was. So I would cycle there. And I would stand on the start line at 6 a.m. with all the other runners and we'd do our one-minute silence and in reflection of the race and then they would go and run and then I would go and um, retire to my caravan. So they basically provided caravans on course where you're allowed to rest. You couldn't sleep there, but that was your daily rest. So I would hang around till mid-morning but still have my feet up resting and then myself and my helper would then go back to um, my um, our room that we were, yeah. we were staying in, and we just rest there. I just needed to keep my feet up as much as, as much possible, as possible. Yeah. Um, not have any weight on them, and yeah. having them clean, dry, and really aired out. Mm. And it was enough that within the four days, it had put uh, a nice um, it, the outer skin had basically rehealed itself mm. enough for them to be happy for me to go back on course. You must have been so pleased when you were able I to was. Come it, back. The, the first day or two, the emotions were very mixed. Do yeah. I want to come back? I don't yeah. want to come back. Am I going to let my country down? Because I had a lot of people at home mm. who were following me by then mm-hmm. and so much inspiration was coming through. Mm. So I felt like I was I was running for my country, mm. um, which I sort of I was, I was the Australian in the, in, in the race. So you, mm. you sort of are representing your country in this race. And with all the encouragement letters that were coming through, it's um, it was very hard to think if I was not to continue, mm. would I be letting all these people down? Would I be letting myself down? Um, I had helpers who'd come over and actually helped me over there uh, who'd taken their time to, to do that and I didn't want to let them down as well. Mm. So I feel getting up at 6am every morning and still being committed to that one rule that they wanted us there, even though I wasn't running, that in myself kept me committed to the race. Yeah. So I know when I went back out on um, on day 25 and then continued, 
I felt like that was what I wanted to do. And then all yeah. I could think of, no matter how hard or easy each day was, to me then it was just about being able to reach 52 days. Mm. So that was where my new commitment lay and um, and that's what I focused on. Wow. It would have been, that. yeah, it would have been so hard because we often talk on the podcast, you know, about people's identity as the, as the runner and then if they have an injury, how that feels and how you deal with it and, and what you have to say to yourself in order to get through that and, and get to the other side and, and get out running again, you know, without it being too scarring mentally <laughs> because we can be quite upset yeah. by that. It can upset the um, apple cart quite a lot. Especially it was really nice. Because it's, it's a big part of our identity. It certainly does. <clears throat> the nice thing too is the encouragement there is just absolutely amazing and especially from the other runners. So mm. What you find being out there with the same runners on that same course, um, crossing paths all day long, um, you become one big family. So the 12 of you become very, very close um, as runners. And as they even mentioned, for the four days that I wasn't on course, they felt like that there was something missing in their family. So they didn't want to see me not running. So every day I turned up, um, they all asked, am I running Mm. today? And it was like I had to say, no, not today. And you could see them, they all got slightly disheartened. Mm. So even though they still do their running all day, but they just felt yeah. like that there's someone missing. Yeah. So the day that I actually turned up and the biggest difference was I was in all my gear, but instead of having my uh, recovery thongs on because mm-hmm. um, I couldn't have shoes on, that morning I actually had my running shoes on and they all noticed. So they all looked down and saw my shoes are on my feet on, oh, yeah. on, the, mm-hmm. on the fifth day. And they just looked at me and went, is today the day? And I said, yes. And they wow. all just had beautiful smiles on their face. So they were yeah. so happy to have me back out on course. Um, and just their experience that they had. Like one of the runners there has done it 17 times. Um, oh, another wow. one's done it 15 times, 14 times, nine times. Just some really experienced runners that come back time and time again. Mm. And the biggest one was that there was a Russian called Vasu who was mm-hmm. sharing next to me in my in our little crew area, and he's done it um, like nine times. This was his tenth time. He, he's run it and it finished every single time. And he's just he was just amazing. And he just took me in under his wing. He looked after me. Oh. All the advice um, when I was having a bad patch, he would actually walk or run with me. Um, so it wasn't just about for him to try and achieve his distance as mm. quick as he could. He knew he had all day. He was patient. So it was about all of us keeping each other happy out on mm. course. And um, and that was beautiful. So mm. taking that away that. and having that um, that support was such a amazing motivation to mm. want to just continue and go all the way through to the end. Yeah, and apply that to the rest of your life. Lots of lessons in there. And lots of lessons in there. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's what someone said recently was, um, you know, or actually we've said it lots of times on the podcast over the time, that, you know, running can be an analogy to life. So which I think is. Oh, it is. And a lot of that, what I had there is I've brought back home. Um, and I try and put that into my life now that mm. nothing nothing is impossible. Um I try not let it get too much get to me. There's still a few things. It's just yeah. life's busy. You're human. But, <laughs> but it's a nice way to look at it They go, there's always worse things in life. So Absolutely. everything that's in front of you can't be that bad and we can get we can work through everything. So 
it's, it was really nice to bring that home and, and exactly that, bring that back into myself and my normal life as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what do you think your life would have been like had you not started running? Like, I, what is running given your life that you wouldn't have had you not picked up running? Ooh, um, I think it's made me, it's made me, I don't know, calmer. Um, I don't reckon I would be as calm as I am today. Um, running has certainly calmed me down a lot. Um, I used to be a very um, probably highly strung person um, for a lot of my life, um, often taken the wrong way. Um, so it's like people feel my approach was always very harsh. So okay. I sort of hope that um, I feel like I've become a calmer person, more Seemed understanding quite calm person. calm to me. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Before, so. <laughs> uh, more understanding in life. Um, so I think just in myself, it's made me feel better about myself um, uh-huh. than what I had as a younger person. So I think I think that's really lovely. Yeah. And um, I just feel I feel good within myself. Um, it just yeah, it just makes me happier. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wasn't running, um, would I still be bushwalking? Maybe, maybe not. Life's mm-hmm. so busy, I might, might not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure where I'd, I'd be now. Um, I don't think I'd be as happy as what I am now or as content with how my life's gone. So yeah, I think I really like that idea mm-hmm. that it's, it's made me content and happy mm. that this is my life and this is, this is my chosen path. This is where I've chosen to, to go. Um, mm. I don't tend to look as much about what I could or couldn't have in life mm. anymore, but yep. just more accept what I do have and be happy yep. with what I've got. There's a bit more of a philosophy too, isn't there, around it? Like it's not. It is, yeah. The way it's, you you're not it. you're not trying to search for something that you don't necessarily have, or mm. maybe not be able to get. Um, but realize that what one does have is um, you should be happy with what you've got, mm. and that's Was... what that's what you've achieved in life, and it's what you've grown up to to actually have. So enjoy what we've got, mm. and um, and make the most of what we've got. It's, that's really part of the contentness, isn't it? Because that grass is always greener on the other side. And then when you get to the other side, it's actually the other side you want, not that side. So, yeah. so finding well, exactly the contentment the so you're not yeah. always doing that. Whereas no, you're not I always trying to search. Just not all runners are like that, though. Like sometimes, depending on what stage they are in their running, it can be about, you know, I need to go faster, I need to go further. And it's just always striving in a way that, isn't healthy always like it can be quite stressful because they never because once they get there someone else is going faster or someone else has run further or someone else is and so they never quite feel like they arrive and they don't realize actually it's not about the destination it's about the journey it's, it's definitely the journey that's right mm. it's you you will never there'll always be someone that's different to you um mm. but you're going to be then you're going to have more than what someone else will have so mm. it's but then there'll be other people that'll have more yeah well, and it's not so much more, it's just something different to what you've yeah. achieved. And you may be able to go further, but then they may be able to go faster. Mm. Um, or if you've gone faster, but then someone else has gone further or done something more uh, exciting, but mm. it's just also different. So instead of looking to what others may do, um, I run very much for myself. Yeah. Um, 90% of my running is on my own. Um, yeah. I quite enjoy running on my own. Um, I'm content with that. Um, I can I can just let myself go if I really feel it's it's going to be a lonely run. I'll put music. In. Yeah. Um, if I feel like I just want to be um, just one with out there in the day, I just won't take my music with me and just um, then focus on my own mind. 
So, and then when I do get to run with someone, then it's it's quite social. So, mm. I don't feel the need to run with other people to motivate me. Um, but then I can use my chance to run when I do get to run with other people as something that I really enjoy from a social aspect. So, yeah. and then just enjoy their company. So, um, and I, I tend to find I do my better running um, when I actually aim on my own. So mm. I make my own goals. Um, and exactly as you mentioned, I'm not feeling forced or the need to then try and run to someone else's um, ideas. Mm. So it's um, so if I want to go do a long run, um, you run with somebody, you tend to feel like you need to keep up with them or they'll have an expectation that you may feel you need to also achieve. Whereas if you go out on your own, you go, well, I've still achieved that long distance, but I've done it in my own way. Um, yeah. And you can finish that and go, oh, that felt great. I've achieved exactly what I wanted to yeah. achieve and not feel like you've missed out on anything. And as you've explained, you don't, you don't need to run with other people to be part of the running community. Like you still feel very connected to the running community. Most definitely. And like, you know, many of your friends are in the running community. So it's not like you have to, you know, always be running with people in order to have no. that also as part of your experience. That makes sense of running. So, so I, I, I've got friends. I may not see them for five years. Um, mm. they'll, they'll, they'll be part of my running friends. But then when you come across them in a race or you may be in the area and you catch up for a run, if you haven't seen them for so long, it's like you are only there yesterday. Yeah. So it's, um, it's not about needing to seek them out and be with them every day. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I would go, actually, if, if I felt I needed to run with other people every day for my <laughs> runs. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoy just the chance to go out on solo runs. So it's um, And I think it's a bit of a mix of everything. And yeah, I think I have a mix of everything. Like I've got regular people I run with, but I also run by myself a lot every week yeah. as well. So I do both every week. And I like yes. both, <laughs> but I don't that, well, that, get that's exactly good. right. It's, it works for you're me. not seeking one or the other. No. It's, it's and it's and that's how I feel with being part of the oral committee, also putting mm. on a race and my running. Running the running community is greater than just about running a race. So it's 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 a such a vast um, has all these different areas that mm. you can get that that great feeling from all parts of what what this is all about. So it's um it's nice to be a part of all of it. Yeah. I get a bit conflicted now at this end of my running, this end, where I am in my running now, um, with racing. Like I'm not a keen racer at the moment. Like I've done many years of different types of racing um, and I don't know I, I, what it is, I, but I still want to run all the time, if that makes sense. So, But the actual competing is not the thing that gets me there anymore. No. It, it might be an event because I know lots of people I know are going to be there and I know the course is going to be really good. But if it was just the course, I might be just as likely to want to go out and do it by myself than to do it as an event. <laughs> it's kind of... Well, that's well, that's that's sort of the, the progression of what this mm. is all about. Um, it's your goals will change, and I guess mm. it's not just about competing in a race. So no. that goal, if your goal is what you get out of running, um, yeah. you might necessarily need that in a race anymore. So as you mentioned. Picking that course that that race is on, mm. just go running that course. Exactly. I've, I've done that with a lot of courses. Um, yeah. When we were in New Zealand a few years ago, um, my last run was I did the Old Ghost Trail. So that's a 85K run uh, or yeah. race over there. It's a yeah. point to point just yeah. um, on the West Coast near Greymouth. So I just decided to run that on my last day before we came home. 
So I just did the whole 85K point, point same direction <laughs> as the race. And that was hugely satisfying. So I didn't feel the need to join in the race yeah. to do that. Um, I think I got more out of it just running that course um, and that trail yeah. as it is on my own. So, um, and the same here, it's there, there's, there's a lot of races where I can just go enjoy and run that, um, that area and just get the same satisfaction without having to be in a race. So my racing would be very specific to what can I get out of that, doing that race mm. within myself as opposed yeah. to just going, I'm going to run that to try and get on the yeah. podium now. Or tick it off so or whatever. Or tick it off, yeah. Mm. So there's, there's got to be reasons mm. behind what that race means to me. So and I'll still do, I'll still do specific races. Like the Barclays had a lot of meaning behind me. Yeah. Um, I'd like to try and get back and do a, an official six-day race this year yeah so i, I can actually achieve a, an a official six-day distance as opposed mm -hmm. to just my solo six-day distance and that'd be yeah. nice just to have on record mm -hmm. and i think that slightly different motivation because then you're in that six-day race um so your achievement will be now have focused on getting to the end of the six days and yeah. basically you've got 24 hours of every day um, my solo one i had to go home at nine because they closed the track so <laughs> I wasn't actually available for 24 hours, but that matched my self-transcendence race really well, which was yeah. good. But nice to do a six-day where you've now got full six days, full 24 hours. You have to then find manage your it. own process and manage <laughs> it properly with yeah. yourself to see what you can achieve. So yeah. that as well. Um, I'd like to get back to Costa Cozzi. That will be my, if yeah. I get in again this year, it'll be my fourth time running it. But I like that for the type of running. That one is very solo, so you mm. run with your own crew. Your crew follow you in that race yep. from I've start to finish. Friends from here who do it and take the crew. You do it, yep. and it's. I think that's very unique in its own style. Mm. Um, so it's you. Even though you do race other people, you're very much racing your own clock, and mm. it's about you and your crew. And the yep. journey is you guys and your own crew going from start to finish. And there's a yep. basically they get just as much out of it as what you do as a runner. So. Yep. That's, and that's why I really like that race. So um, more than happy. It's one of the few races I'm more than happy to go back and do like over and over again. So yeah. so for what I get out of it. So, yeah. So it's oh, lots, of, lots of things there, racing, non-racing, my we own courses. Lots of conversation, lots to share. I feel like we're going to spend another two hours talking. But you obviously have a day to get back to uh, and you've already shared and been very generous with your time. Before we wrap up, there's a couple of questions, but um, one of them is, is there anything about running in particular that you wanted to share that maybe we haven't touched on with some of your story we've shared today? I think, Major, I think the biggest thing just to share on for everybody out there is just 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 enjoy it. Mm. Um, don't, don't have too big of expectation. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, just go out and enjoy it, whether you're racing, whether you're just training, whether you're just enjoying a weekend run. Um, we all started running generally for the reason of wanting to enjoy running, and that's how we should always keep looking at it. So as long as you've got that, you'll always be out there. You'll always enjoy it, and you'll always find something new in running that will keep mm. you so motivated. Yeah. And if, you're not, if not, pick up a running podcast and have a listen and other people's oh, stories definitely. often are very motivating to get us out there. Oh, the they're, they're amazing. The only reason I so do it's... the podcast to motivate myself. <laughs> because oh, it's, it's it is. Amazing. It's a lovely, lovely hearing other people's stories. Exactly. And 
Yeah. And and their reasons behind it and um, what motivates them. It's beautiful, actually. Um, so it's nice to hear. It's always amazed me that you get to the end of a, of a race with other people and you turn around and you start chatting and everyone's, you know, in that after a race high and you realise everybody's had a different experience. We all started at the same time. We all covered the same distance and we went the same the same weather, everything was the same, but we all had a very different experience of that race. And it oh, just fascinates definitely. me to to hear all those different stories and, and how people felt about it. Um, yeah, which is a bit like the podcast, really. <laughs> Trying to... It is. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so great. It's just great to see so many people out there and just hear how much everyone really does enjoy it, mm-hmm. and but all doing it all in, in their own way. Exactly. So before we wrap up, some tips for beginner runners. Do you have any tips? People come up to you and say, Stephen, I would love to start running. Where would you point them first? So tips for, for beginners. And I do get often asked um, like how to start running or what's what what do I recommend? Yeah. First and foremost, don't go too hard into it. Mm. Just just ease yourself in, but be committed. Understand that it's not about going in and going, I want to do that marathon straight away. Yeah. So just go out and just enjoy it. First, go out and enjoy the reasonings why you want to run. Mm-hmm. And then from there, create yourself some goals and, and just make sure that they're reasonable goals within yourself. Achievable. Mm. achievable. It's, I mean, and they can be big goals, but if as long as you feel that they're achievable for you, mm-hmm. don't be pressured into doing something that others will recommend you to do um, that you may feel it's unachievable. Mm-hmm. Because often that can then end up being very negative. So be be comfortable in what you want to achieve. And at the end of the day, whatever you achieve, that's your goal and that's that's what you've aimed for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what other people do. So, But just go out there and enjoy it. Um, there's so much more to running than just racing. Um, there's just the community side. Um, you'll meet lovely people. You'll just enjoy yourself and you'll just discover so much mm. and basically just, just get out there and start and, and go from there. So, um, and, but just, and do it properly too. So make sure you have the right shoes. Um, feel, don't, don't go out using the wrong equipment um, and be very open to a lot of people will give you suggestions, mm. but understand that everyone's suggestions whilst meaning really well, you need to be able to adjust that to what works for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. <laughs> Having had lots of suggestions over the years about what to do. Yep. <laughs> Not all of it works. But anyway, um, Stephen, thank you. It's been amazing to get to know you more. I'm impressed beyond words about the amazing things you've achieved in the last nine years. <laughs> Just been oh, you're welcome. amazing. Um, yeah, so thank you. And I'm sure you'll inspire lots of people to get the running shoes on and um, achieve some of their own goals and take that journey on. Um, so a big thank you from me. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's been, uh, it's been a lovely uh, having a chat with you. It's a pleasure. Stay on and I'll say goodbye to you after recording as well. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it for a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit head over to the website fit
fitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.